Gospel according to Matthew. Glory Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, Hear another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. When vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. But the tenants seized the servants, and one they beat, another they killed, and a third they stoned. Again, he sent other servants, more numerous than the first ones, but they were treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, thinking, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. They seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? They answered him, He will put those wretched men to a wretched death and lease his vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the proper times. Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that will produce its fruit. The Gospel of the Lord. Four weeks from Tuesday is the general election. Many people have already received their absentee ballots in the mail. If you're like me, you have already seen lots of commercials and received lots of flyers telling you who to vote for or who to vote against. In making decisions on the ballot, I find it very helpful to look at the document called Forming Consciences for Faithful Citizenship from the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. I have their website listed in the bulletin article this week. The bishops do not tell Catholics how to vote. The responsibility to make political choices rests with each person and his or her properly formed conscience. Now, I have received a lot of stuff in the mail with Catholic in the name, 
that tries to tell me who to vote for or against, it's not coming from the bishops. It all goes to the paper gator. How do we make responsible political choices? I encourage you to read the insert in the bulletin this week. It's the first part of a summary of that faithful citizenship document I mentioned that the bishops wrote. And one of the quotes from it is, Catholic voters should use Catholic teaching to examine candidates' positions on issues and should consider candidates' integrity, philosophy, and performance. It then outlines four principles of Catholic social teaching. The first is the dignity of the human person. Human life is sacred because every person is created in the image and likeness of God. And you think about it. Every other creature on earth, God wills for the sake of the species. God wills rabbits for the sake of rabbits. But God is concerned about every human person. Every human person is uniquely willed by God. Every single person is a person God wanted to be. St. Catherine of Siena put it this way, God loves each of us as if there were just one of us. And I want you to take that in about yourself. And as I mentioned, I just had a birthday yesterday, and a, and a birthday is a great time to notice, oh my gosh, there's only one of me. God created me just uh, uniquely. But it's a good thing to remember, not only on your birthday, but every day of your life, that God willed you to be. God has a particular purpose and mission for each of us. Now, notice it about yourself, but then notice about the person on your left hand and on the right hand of you. And notice the people in front of you and behind you. What do you think? Are they uniquely made by God? Does God love each one of them as if there were just one of them? Hmm. Might change how we treat each other, huh? What if we then extended it beyond the people in this church to all of Grand Ledge? What if we extended it beyond that to everybody in our country? What if we extended it to everybody in our world? Did God not make every human person on this planet as someone uniquely created, somebody with a particular gift? So that's the first principle, is the dignity of every human person. The second is subsidiarity. And by that it means we look at the whole, but we also look at the parts within the whole. And one of the very basic parts within the whole is the family. And so in that insert, it comments, the family is the fundamental unit of society. Supporting family should be a priority for economic and social policies. A third principle, the common good. And under that, it's written that one of the things is we have a duty to care for God's creation which Pope Francis refers to as our common home. It's that sense of our, our earth is the common home. And it, 
If you've noticed, you, know, you think about the fires that were on the West Coast, and they affected the way that the sun was here. Um, so we're, we're connected. It's our common home. And the fourth principle of solidarity. St. John Paul II said about solidarity in 1987, it is a firm and persevering determination to commit oneself to the common good, that is to say, to the good of all and of each individual, because we are all really responsible for all. We have responsibilities beyond ourselves. Um, you know, this is just a little example. I, you know, the rectory lives on this side of the church and the office is on that side, and I make frequent trips on the sidewalk in between. And last week, somebody, I'm not sure why, just decided to leave their plastic drink cup right in the middle of the sidewalk. Now, it was my, not my drink cup. It wasn't my responsibility to pick it up, was it? Well, I decided it was. Now, now, nowadays with COVID, you pick it up and then you go sanitize or wash your hands, right? But, but I did it. And that's just one little thing of, of, of ways that we were called to take responsibility um, for people beyond ourselves. Our solidarity must express, must find expression in the preferential option for the poor and the vulnerable. A moral test for society is how we treat the weakest among us, the unborn, those life within the womb, those dealing with disabilities, the poor and the marginalized. So besides being informed about Catholic social teaching and what each candidate stands for, I encourage you to take some time in prayer before you vote. Our, our second reading. Um, I thought uh, it came to mind where St. Paul writes, Have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And I really encourage you, in your prayer to call on the Holy Spirit for guidance. Pray especially for the gifts of wisdom and prudence before you vote. I also really encourage you to pray for the people you disagree with. We live in a very polarized time. Remember that the Catholic principle of the life and dignity of each human person applies to those with whom we strongly disagree. Pray for them. And pray that we may be respectful of each person to listen to what they have to say, to seek and to find values that we can agree on. You know, I put those words in my homily, and then I came across this insert um, from the Michigan Catholic Conference. I mentioned the, the one, the insert we have this week is from the United States Catholic Conference. Next week, it'll be from Michigan. And uh, the issues, the candidates in your vote, 2020. But on the back of it, it's, it has uh, civilize it, and it encourages us to take a pledge uh, as, as we face this election, this especially probably just going to get even more intense these next four weeks. Here's what it calls us to pledge. Three things. First, I pledge civility to recognize the human dignity of those with whom I disagree, treat others with respect, and rise above attacks when directed at me. Two, clarity 
to root my political viewpoints in the gospel and a well-formed conscience, which involves prayer, conversation, study, and listening. I will stand up for my convictions and speak out when I witness language that disparages others' dignity, while also listening and seeking to understand others' experiences. Three, compassion. To encounter others with a tone and posture which affirms that I honor the dignity of others and invite others to do the same. I will presume others' best intentions and listen to their stories with empathy. I will strive to understand before seeking to be understood. And so I encourage you to pray that we may be faithful citizens, that we may use, um, that we may form our consciences.